0: hello nice to see you again and thank you for praying for us Uh, just want to pray first father we know that uh, only you can speak to people and we pray that uh, we'll hear what you've got to say open our ears so we can hear open our eyes so we can see open our minds so we can understand open our hearts so we can respond will you do that lord will you help me as I try and share something uh, that's uh, in my heart, and from your word, in Jesus' name, amen. amen. You know, when we go on these trips, and we thank you for your prayers, we can honestly say we can't do it without people praying. No way could we do it. Ten hours of agony, flying. Okay, I caught something on the way back, but that didn't matter so much. But on the way out, the devil is always attacking. And he's saying you're going to get caught today. The Bible's going to be taken off you. Blah blah blah. Bla. And he's relentless. And you can't even watch your films and enjoy them because this is on your mind all the time. That we're going to face a border soon, and we're going to uh, they're going to be scanning all the stuff. And uh, and then God says, "I'll take you through." And uh, we always learn something. And maybe the verse John shared there is what I want to think about on that passage, that. Uh, if we learnt anything this year it was this poor yet making many rich having nothing yet possessing everything and um, I've been thinking about this sermon for a week and I read this you know it's terrible to be in chains and die in captivity but it's far worse to be asleep in liberty wow there's a message for our church isn't it far worse Uh, some quotes here Albert Einstein said this we thought, oh, everybody thinks he's great, don't they? They just found this thing in space. They're not telling you what's in the hole, are they? They haven't got a clue what's in the hole. We know what's in the hole. The Lord is the other side of that. And Ambler Kingston said, "It is strange to be known so universally and yet be so lonely. Yet everything, fame, fortune, you name it, everybody looked up to him, and yet he had nothing in the end, nothing." And john paul getty you've heard of him he was the richest man in the world a billionaire John you know he had a coin operated phone box in his guest room how mean is that billionaire and yet he had a, people wanted to use the phone it to put coins in well he had nothing either did he and um i want to read you this and this is quite interesting um here we are this man wrote a book about this person <coughs> uh, this man wanted pleasure so he seduced or paid for the most glamorous women, money could buy. He wanted more adventure, so he set airspeed records and designed, built, and piloted the world's most unique aircraft. He wanted more power, so he acquired political clout—that was the envy of senators. He wanted more glamour, so he crashed Hollywood, owned studios, courted stars. And then he goes on. This is how this man's life ended. He was a figure of gothic horror, ready for the grave, emaciated. Only 120 pounds stretched out over his six foot four inch frame, thin, straggly beard that reached midway onto his sunken chest, bigger than yours, go. Many of his teeth were black, rotting stumps. His long nails were grotesqued into yellow corkscrews. A tumour was beginning to emerge from the side of his head. Innumerable needle marks. Howard Hughes was an addict, a billionaire junkie died on the top floor of a skyscraper he owned a recluse afraid people were going to poison him had everything had nothing well now then uh, these are some poor examples for you mother teresa all she owned was a spare sari and a bucket and the bucket is so she washed the sari in that's all she had um there's another example here um no i haven't that was the only one there uh (laughs) Now, for those examples, we can say they had everything, but they possessed nothing. Now we want to look at what Paul of Tarsus said when he was speaking about himself here. He said he had nothing, yet possessed everything. I think it's upside down in this country, isn't it? We have everything, we possess very little spiritually. Now in Luke 16, you know the story. There's an account given by Jesus of a rich man and a poor man called Lazarus. And Lazarus means helped of God. The rich man didn't have a name, by the way. And here's the story. You know it. Rich man dressed in purple, lived in luxury. Lazarus, this beggar, covered in sores, desperate for food. Lazarus died, carried to heaven by angels. Rich man died, buried, goes to hell. In torment, he can see heaven far away. Called Abraham, have pity on me. Send Lazarus. He knew his name. That's amazing. He knew his name. He was he was begging at his door. Ignored him, but he knew his name. Give me some water. That's all he wanted. He wanted water. Now he was in agony. And then this answer comes: In your lifetime, you received your good things. Lazarus received bad things. There's a gulf fixed. Too late. You had Moses and the prophets. Too late. You received his good things. You know. A friend of ours who's 90 now, who loves Jesus, didn't come to Christ. She was 70. Wants me to read that in her funeral. You must read that in my funeral, she said. Make sure you read that in my funeral, and I will. So, who was rich? The rich man. Who was poor? The poor man Lazarus. Rich man had everything, possessed nothing. We've got to look at things in the light of eternity, don't we? Now, the rich man in Jesus' story was well off. Had a good time, seemed not to have a care in the world, in this life. Now this isn't a story about money, okay? It's a story about your heart. That's what this is about. The poor man had nothing, starving, dirty, sores, great problems. If that were it, what a terrible lottery this life would be, wouldn't it? It would depend on your lineage, race, circumstances, bank balance, brain power, intelligence. It would depend on all that. Things may be what inherited or not inherited, but the Bible teaches that is more than this. Life on this earth comes to an end—70 years plus. The rich man had everything, but after he died, he had nothing. In the end, Lazarus had nothing, but possessed everything. In the end, after this life, now what did the Apostle Paul mean when he said having nothing but possessing everything? Well, you could say he had nothing because he had no physical freedom. The Apostle Paul was in jail in Rome; his freedom been taken away because he was a Christian. He was incarcerated. It says in Acts 28, after he'd gone to Rome, for this cause therefore have I called for you to see you and to speak with you, because that for the hope for the hope of Israel I am bound in this chain. He was chained to Roman soldier. How could paul say he possessed everything in such a situation that sounds crackers doesn't it how could he say that very simply because he believed that the lord jesus christ was in charge and had allowed him to be in that situation that's the difference between these people and us you know we mourn i had to tell a christian off last night because she was mourning about the national health and i was talking about cataract operations yeah but he could wait two years and i said to her you don't have to pay do you She's enough to pay. It's three thousand, whatever it is, and we, we've taken it for granted. See, we want everything for nothing. We're not thankful to God. Well, you know, Paul had no physical freedom. He had no earthly things. Yet none of the trappings of life to carry around. He knew, as is mentioned in a great book, by the way, if you want to read a good book, John Ortburg's book. When the game is over, it all goes back in the box. I like his title to start with when everything's finished it all goes back in the box um you have to read the book and he says this stuff is not treasure paul believed what jesus said don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where the thieves break in and steal you know i'm amazed uh, i don't know what cars you've got to get so i'm not looking at anybody all right i'm not looking at anybody um but you know it amazes me that a Merc you can pack a Merc in the car pack and it ends up in Bulgaria because somebody's pinched it stuck it in a container and taken it and you think where's my car gone wow I'm glad I got Crocs I've got a couple of Crocs I don't think there's will they see mine tonight I wonder no but you know things stuff things of uh, think of our has changed we throw away expensive stuff rather than repair it stuff does not last that's a very, John Aubrey says that stuff does not last. Stuff brings worry with it. You know, I, I was out in the street to come out last night. We another two of us go out, and this lady was walking with us. I'm a bit ashamed, she said. Why? I've just bought a Mercedes. She's not here tonight, so it's okay. Uh, I just bought a Mercedes, she said. I, I don't like driving around in it. And I thought she's worried about the car. What if somebody scratches it? Where can I park it in Tesco's? Because the the bays are too narrow. I said, Well, you know, sell it. <laughs> Whatever. Don't worry about your milk. Stuff brings worry with it. All Paul had was a cloak and maybe a quill and a couple of parchments. That's pretty close to nothing, isn't it? Pretty close to nothing. And I want to show you a picture because um you've seen this lady before. Um, but it fits in with the server, okay? That lady we met in, 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 uh, in um, Kurdistan four years ago. We went to Kurdistan with open doors and we met this little old lady. She was a refugee. I still had gone to her house in the Karakosh plain. I'd seen her, pulled her out of her house. She's 83, by the way. Pulled her out of her house and uh, looked at her hands and what she had around her neck. She had a chain around her neck with a cross, ripped it off her. Then they pulled the rings off her finger and uh, they kicked her out at the age of eighty-three. And thank God for some Christians took her up to her bill. She was in a refugee center, in a in um a place like St. David's Center that was derelict. They were in there in rooms. And when we spoke to her, I I, I called her ma'am because she looked like my mother a bit. She's in almost as many creases as my mother. And um we started talking to her through an interpreter and said, Well, um, we asked her this question. I thought, should we have asked her that? But we did. Um, What do you think about God now then? And you know what she said? This woman, no house, no home, no rings, no cross anymore. She could say, they could take my cross. They could take my home. They could take my rings. But they can't take Jesus from me. Those were her words. I've never forgotten it. You know, we cried. Don't cry often, but I cried when when she was saying this. She loved Jesus so much, the stuff didn't matter to her. Paul had nothing. Paul had nothing. He had no earthly things. Only a few little things. Paul had nothing in that he was in poor health. It's very easy to praise God when we feel great, isn't it? And on top of the world, it's far more difficult to rejoice when we're not feeling well. And very often we have to discipline ourselves to tell out my soul the glory of the Lord. Or praise the Lord, all oh my soul. That's why David does it, isn't it? David had a rough time. But he made his soul praise God. And we know that Paul went to God several times about his ill health. And he says in 2 Corinthians 12, Lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations there was given me to me, a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord three times, that it might depart from me. Now, something all commentaries are different in this. I looked them up, uh, it might have defective eyes, or a migraine headache, or epilepsy, or even a disability in speech. Nobody really knows. But it was probably a physical affliction. You know, just like you have a thorn in your finger, don't you? You want to get it out because it's a new sense. Well, he had this thorn in the flesh, whatever it was. And God used it to keep him low. Because he'd have been blown out of his mind about the glory that he'd seen. He didn't have freedom, he didn't have good health, he didn't have stuff. Soon he wouldn't have his life. Soon he would face death. His life would soon be taken away. He'd be headed in Rome in 67, 68 AD, according to tradition. And then they say his body was taken to the catacombs. So let's see. Having nothing, that's what Paul said about himself. Nothing of liberty, nothing of health, nothing of stuff, no more life soon, and yet he could say, I possess everything. Well, in what way could he say, in light of what we've just heard, what he'd been thinking about, that he possessed everything. Now the definition of possess is hold us property to own, to acquire. And here's the Apostle Paul saying, "He has nothing yet possesses everything. How can he possess everything if he's got nothing? This doesn't make sense, does it? Well, he's got eternity in his sights, and he knows the Creator of the world, the Sustainer of life, the Savior, the King of Kings. He's able to make this amazing statement because he he's looking beyond the horizon. So, what does he possess? What does he own? What does he hold as a property?" freedom in christ even though paul is chained to a soldier he was freer in jail than the emperor nero was in his palace he was free from sin and the wrath of god and he knew that nothing could happen to him unless god allowed it listen to what the lord says in john 8:32 and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free paul had the truth of what life is all about and he knew about eternity. Sometimes we live as if we don't know eternity. Mikkel Korrefa, a pastor who died in a Siberian jail, we used to pray a lot for him, um, had the chance to go home and he didn't. And he wrote to his wife and said, well, I hope you don't mind. I love you. But I love the Lord so much and these people here need me. And he said this, Lord, if my bonds glorify you more than my freedom, why should I want freedom? he had real freedom we pray for a, a, a lady called Twen at the moment maybe we've mentioned earlier Twen. she's in Ethiopia she's been she became a Christian at 23 she was jailed immediately tortured badly she's been in containers she's been in underground boxes she is um, She last year she was basically dying uh, she's been in, in since 2004 she's been in jail so the authority thought, we don't want her dying in our hands, let's send her home to mam. So they sent her home to her mother, fed her up and so on. Now she could have got across the border into Ethiopia. But you know what she did? She walked back to jail. She walked back to jail because she knew there were young Christians there who d- depended on her teaching them about Jesus. And that's where she is tonight, near to Asmara in, Eithio- in, e- in Eritrea. And she said this when she was asked um just before going back, um what do you want us to pray for you? That God is glorified in Eritrea, not that I be free. That's freedom, that's real freedom. What else did Paul possess? What else did he own? He possessed eternal life. He knew that this life sixty, seventy, eight years, was not all there was. He'd met the risen Lord Jesus, and he'd never be the same again. He wrote in Romans 6:23, "The wages of sin is death; the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord." He possessed eternal life because the Lord had possessed him. We need to be possessed, you know, don't we? We need to be possessed by Jesus much, much more than we are. The Lord had possessed him. Possessing eternal life means you live forever. You have Jesus as your friend forever. I do want to ask it. You. you possess Jesus. Does he possess you tonight? Has he got hold of you? Next thing, he possessed a mansion in heaven. Now his abode in Rome as a cell. That was only temporary, because in the next life, he would have a mansion, prepared for him by the Lord himself. You know, a friend of ours died two years ago. A little old lady used to come to our church. She was ninety. what was she? 97. And um, we used to go and visit her. She was bedbound, she couldn't move. Uh, whenever they moved her from the bed to get her into the chair, she she was in agony. And yet she say, Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And we used to visit her. And a few weeks before she died, we used to go and visit her. She'd left her door open that much for the carers to come in. She said th- goodbye to the carers three times. I won't see you again. Jesus is coming to fetch me tonight. And she used to leave her door open. She used to ask me and John. How many do you think he'll bring with him when he comes to fetch me? She really believed it, and he did come and fetch her. He came to fetch her. She 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 possessed eternal life. She had a mansion in heaven now. And he says in John fourteen two, "In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you." Now maybe you have down here. What you got down here isn't very grand. Those people in Cuba have got sheds. You know we went to that house in the middle of the back or beyond we covered each other in so much deet, anti mosquito we never saw a mosquito so whether it was the deet or whether they didn't like the look of us but you know it was in that kind of place and she had nothing church of 50 a little mission all down the road can't call it a road can you it wasn't a road of 30 in the middle of the fields in the mountains of cuba had everything and going there to prepare a place for you now maybe we haven't got a castle down here it won't last anyway even if you did have a castle death and decay all around i see and jesus promises us a mansion paul had nothing but he could look forward and see a grand house in heaven prepared for him by his savior what about me what about you this is the challenge for me after coming back this time there's always some challenge we can learn from the suffering church well this is it do we possess everything and got nothing or got very little? Shouldn't we be the other way around? There are many more possessions we could think about that Paul had and that are included in the everything: eternal life, mansion in heaven, and so on. Forgiveness of sin. Just one more. He would possess a new body, a resurrected body. His head was cut off. But he's gonna have a new body. His body went back to dust. Like it will with all of us, but he knows, he knew that because he possessed eternal life, he would one day have a brand new body to replace the old fleshly one. A body that would not age, a body that would last forever. That's how we could say, having nothing, possessing everything. And we know in one Corinthians fifteen, it says it's for the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And again in two corinthians four sixteen, 16 that we do not lose heart though outwardly we're wasting away yet inwardly we've been renewed day by day for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all so we fix our eyes on what is unseen not on what is seen for what is seen is temporary but what is unseen is eternal having nothing possessing everything our lives here are temporary Things stuff is temporary. Adulation is temporary. Prominence is temporary. You know want to just read this before I finish. She's a Christian in Vietnam. Uh, we went to Vietnam some years ago, and uh, this is the wife, uh, and she's called uh, "Sister Ha." And uh, she's had a letter. She's written back. Her husband's been in jail many, many years. You know around here, she says in this letter, we are experiencing hardships, but thank the Lord, He is supporting us, comforting us and caring for us in every way. When we experience misfortune, adversity, distress and hardship, only then do we see the real blessing of the Lord poured down on us in such a way that we cannot contain it. Hallelujah. We've been obliged recently to leave our modest apartment, and for over two months I have been living on a balcony. The rain has been beating down and soaking us. Sometimes in the middle of the night, we are forced to gather our blankets into our arms and run to seek refuge in a stairwell. Do you know what I do then? I'm happy. I laugh. I praise the Lord, because we can still take shelter in the stairwell. I think of how many people are experiencing much worse hardships than I am. I don't know what words to use in order to describe the love that the Lord has shown to our family. I can only bow my knee and my heart and offer to the Lord words of deepest thanks and praise although we've lost our house we've lost our possessions we've not lost the Lord and that is enough with the Lord I have everything she said she's living in a stairwell the balcony in Vietnam having nothing possessing everything I just want us to think about these things and maybe we possess a lot of things but we've got nothing if we haven't got Jesus to start with but if we have got jesus how much has he possessed us well the cuban church know that everything here is temporary and uh, that's why there's a revival there i'll just finish off with this too this is the second time i said that uh, but you know we met uh, uh, an evangelist uh, and he said this to us new president in cuba now uh, the castros have gone and he's called president diaz uh, not a very nice man if anything is worse uh, because um uh, this evangelist said we're preparing for persecution those were his words to me and John we are preparing for persecution I said you're having persecution I said this president wants to us to marry men and men and women and women in churches and we know we can't do that so he's going to put the pressure on but they're preparing for it preparing for that to happen you know they've had enough suffering as it is but they know that oh see the devil will never ever ever let christian work continue without opposing it and that's an atheist in countries communist like in china you know about china my friends call him ping-pong but he's xi jinping his name is but let's call him ping-pong for now you know what he's going to try and do have you heard the latest he's going to change the ten commandments it's going to become an edict in china that he's going to change the ten commandments he's going to change the one specifically that says should have no other God but me. He wants to be God. Well, I think he's made a big mistake. He's he's, he's going for the chop. Uh, sooner or later, he's taking on God like I still did last year. I still said they smashed a cross off the top of a church uh, near Nive, smashed it down, and they said we're bigger than Jesus Christ. Look where they are now. People who take God on like that overstep the mark, and it's going to happen in Cuba as well. So. Having nothing, possessing everything. What about us? Have you got everything and possess very little? Examine your own heart. Thank you very much.
1: Our lifestyle is—they seem to have nothing—but yet they possess everything. Thank you for those who got their eyes on the Lamb of God. Thank you again, Lord to Jesus. Please, by your Spirit, shake us up, change us, Lord, in our land, which is such a shame. But especially.